Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. So, Sue, come on up. We are so privileged to have this woman in the house this evening, I'm telling you. I love this woman. I love this woman. I was absolutely gutted, as I know probably her friends here on the front row were, and second row, and um, when she moved, when she moved away from Nottingham. But um, Sue and her husband Dave used to lead the Haven Church in Stapleford, which is part of the NG network that we're a part of. And um, I know that they really miss them. Um, but they they went into retirement and then came out of retirement very quickly. Um, <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. Um, and now Dave is um, senior pastor with Sue, helping him up in um, Life Church in Goldbourne. So um, yeah, you're having fun up. They've been up there nearly a year. Yeah. Can't believe that. And Sue is just an inspiration to me personally. She's my mentor. So we meet up regularly, don't we? Once a month. So uh, she's helped me tremendously. Woman of great wisdom. And um, yeah, she's going to bring us a great word this evening. So let me just pray for you, Sue. Sue, we just thank you. We thank you for, for your faithfulness. We thank you for your willingness to drive and, and come and bring us this word this evening in our series from darkness to light. Father, I pray that you would, you would use Sue as your vessel to pour new wine into old wineskins this evening, Lord. May every word that, that she's prepared um, speak directly to the hearts of those that need to hear it, Lord. And Father, we just pray. We pray for her that anything that isn't of you would fall to the ground. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Wow. <laughs> oh, the, that's a lovely uh, introduction. All right, okay. Does it, all right, can you just tell that for me? We love real people. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Well, um, what a lovely welcome that was, and it is a privilege, actually, to be here. Um, and it is nice to see some old friends um, and their faces living in uh, sort of the north now, the frozen north. Um, I don't get to see you the same. I only see your faces on Facebook, and I see Cherry quite a lot, and I've seen Pam a few times. So anyway, it's great to be here. And uh, I was really honoured when Cathy asked me to come and, and share with you guys. So have you got your Bibles with you, or your gadgets, or your phones? Or whatever? I'll just read some scripture, although it's quite dark up here, isn't it? So, um, if I get it wrong, you'll have to call me out on it. So, I'm reading from Colossians 1, and I'm going to be reading from verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that springs from hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing amongst you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned, uh, you learned it from Apraphus. I think that's how you pronounce that. I probably got that pronounced wrong, but I do apologize. Our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us about your love in the spirit. So a great accolade there for the church in Coloss. 
However, it goes on. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with all the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the call of, of the call of the Lord and may you please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of this kingdom of light. Amen. So I was really inspired Kathy had asked me to come and preach on from darkness to light and there's a lot of things I could say but I always like to base what I'm going to say on scripture so that you know that I've spent the time and it's biblically based and the foundation is from the word and the church here at Colossus there's a great accolation there from Paul the apostle Paul now Paul wrote this round about AD 60 and he wrote it whilst he was in prison and he wrote it for the church in Colossus because apparently there'd been some heresy that had infiltrated the church and they'd believed in wrong teaching, wrong thinking, uh, uh, an ideology from the world that had entered into the church and instead of listening to the word of God, using that as their plumb line, listening to um, and believing in Jesus, they had started to synchronize their faith with outside ideologies. And the, the ideology in this particular case was Gnosticism. Now, Gnosticism is a, a bit of a highfalutin um, knowledge that gives you salv salvation. Well, we know, don't we, today, that our salvation comes through Christ Jesus, not through a head knowledge, not through a higher spiritual knowledge. Although there, there is some higher spiritual knowledge out there, but it's not the Spirit of God. So there's lots of different spirits out there. There's lots of different um, sort of the way people think, ideologies, there's forces, there's, there's um, structures, there's, there's um, thinking, there's learning, there's rationalism, there's scientific um, sort of ways of thinking. But we know that your plumb line, let's be hope, is the word of God. And what had happened here was the heresy had infiltrated that church. And Paul is saying to them, you're well known for your works, you're well known for your fruit, but actually he goes on to say that actually you've let some um, heresy come into the church. Now, I don't know what you're like, but on occasion, when I am feeling threatened or undermined in my faith, occasionally I think, shall I text that TV program that's offering £100,000 uh, cash monies? Am I the only one that does that? think that'll be the answer to all my prayers that that'll actually just that'll that'll be great for me because I'll be able to do this and I'll be able to tithe there and I'll be able to go here and I'll be able to do this and I won't have to do anything else and then I have this bit of a revelation that drops into my head and the Lord says to me where is your faith who are you putting your faith in now that's just a simple thing because that's you know when you're watching uh, not that I watch Good Morning Britain a lot or, you know, Loose Women. I don't watch it as much as I used to watch it. But um, there's always competitions in there, aren't there? 
And that's just a really simple thing that I'm talking about that actually challenges where you have your faith. And from darkness to light, we see our thinking is sometimes darkened. Even though we find our salvation in the Lord, some of our old coping mechanisms, some of the way we think and behave are from the old you. And what Paul is addressing in this book is, is, is addressing the fact that actually we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Instead of relying on a sort of ideology from the world, sound thinking and ideas, we need to actually put our faith and our trust in Jesus. Colossians goes on to say, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands, but um, by God. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead." So what that is saying to us is that we have the fullness of the deity living in us. But you see, unfortunately, we don't really know that. And sometimes we know that, but we don't actually believe that. And I can testify to that because actually, if we did believe that, if we did believe that we had the fullness of the deity living in us, then we wouldn't be living in the darkening of our thinking or the way we behave. We, it, we would look very different. Our lives would look very different. And what Paul's saying here is you've got all the answers here to live a life according to how I've called you. This, this is what I would describe as a spiritual warfare letter. I know there's not a lot of spiritual warfare in there because people describe spiritual warfare in very different ways. So Paul defines it in two ways, but... Um, these are the two ways he describes it. The first one is, it's an internal fight. So I have discovered, and this is from Romans, this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. So what he's essentially saying is that's the internal battle. And often, most of us don't move beyond that in the church because actually we don't even recognize that half the time. It is, it's a truth because I'm still fighting that battle with myself. And if you don't surrender to Christ, if you don't surrender your thinking and being transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you're going to think like the old you. If you have a trauma or an event or a circumstance that causes you to be stopped in your tracks what happens is when you face trauma or there's an event or there's there's a tragedy because of the shock and the stress to our system we revert to old thinking mechanisms we because it's an automatic reaction so if somebody ran out in front of me in my car I'd stick my foot out on the brake it's an automatic reaction how you think is how you behave so we don't always have the luxury of saying, well, hang on a minute, is this right in God? Is this a right way of thinking? Am I responding right here? Is my attitude right here? And what Paul's addressing here is, when we get the right attitude, when we understand the fullness of the deity of Christ in us, 
we can actually behave Christ-like. Because if we don't have that um, Christ-like attitude in our, in our thinking, then what, how we behave will actually expose how we think. Yeah? So, um, so that's the first definition that Paul says. That's the internal one. But he has an answer for that. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And we do that because when we are tested, then we can stand firm in our faith. If we don't take that thought captive and make it firm in our understanding, it will not come out in our behavior. So those, that's one definition. Another definition is, and often we in the West are not often faced with this. It's getting more prevalent, but the external forces are um, the principalities and powers. So these are some of the theological thoughts on external forces. I'm going to read them out and I'm going to just unpack a few of them. The power of the fall, so that's the battle of the mind. So that's what I've been referring to. So in the garden, when um, Adam and Eve were given rule over the garden of Eden, the Lord said to him, do not eat from the tree of knowledge and life, didn't he? And the devil came, the serpent, and he twisted that truth very, very slightly. And he said, did God really say that? So he lured Eve she took the apple and she with with Adam and Eve they fell together so the devil caused doubt in the mind and if you follow that to its logical conclusion we are of human beings and the first battle is in our mind so often we don't move beyond that or often Christians don't move beyond that because they're still backing with their anxieties and their fear their depression their circumstances family situations, children, grandparents, grandchildren, friends. So you're still battling with all of that. The next structures are social, economic, and political forces. Now that's quite relevant today, isn't it? Because our government has just self-imploded. We've just uh, witnessed the death of our lovely queen. I'm a royalist. I'm not apologizing for that. I thought she was absolutely fantastic. So that that's... Um, so there's a transition in our monarchy, a transition in our monarchy. Our governments have imploded. We've got pagan religion the, uh, and power and the law. We've got human traditions, religions, and ethical rules. We've got traditions, morality, justice, and order. So theologians would say all of those that I've mentioned there are uh, principalities and powers that are at, at work within this world that mitigate sometimes against us because we're having to live in this world but the scripture goes on to say do not touch do not taste do not get yourself involved with it now there are ways that we do have to live in the world but actually when we have God's wisdom we have the fullness of the deity that lives in us we can actually make a difference in the world because if we're drawing down on God's wisdom we're bringing his wisdom to a situation so we don't have to adhere to these principalities and powers and very often your average sort of person um, will not get beyond 
fighting the battle of the mind because the, the, they get stuck there. And what Paul says, he's encouraging us to actually um, get through that and get transformed by the renewing of our minds. Kathy mentioned something just before I got up to say that she could have had a pity party. She could have lived in that disappointment, but she got a, the Bible out, the love book, the book that gives us light, life, and a way, and it's lifted her. So this word here, it's not just living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, but it, it has divine power to demolish any strongholds or pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And believe me, sometimes your mind is your own worst enemy. Let me tell you that. So, so that's the, the sort of the internal, the external, like I say, are all the structures, politics, the law, morality, um, but also there is the demonic power that we talk about um, sometimes in church settings. And often, like I say, most Christians may never come across that. But actually, even in those circumstances, when you are faced with a demonic presence, the answer is Jesus. It's always Jesus. It's always the word. It's always the way, always the life always Jesus and I can testify to that so if I've got out of my own mind and I've, I've claimed some freedom in a certain area then the next sort of phase of an attack normally comes from a demonic um, sort of rising up against me and I say this because I'm familiar with these ways Living in the West, you would think that I wasn't aware of the demonic, but I lived in a house full of poltergeists before I got saved. For many years, I lived like that. For many years, I lived with the reaper, and I was controlled by a figure and an entity. And I was okay with that because I, I didn't know Christ, so I thought that was normal. I thought everybody had those experiences. And then when it began to affect my children, began to have an adverse effect on them that's when I started to question is this right is this true and this is the way we need to live and sure enough when I started to pray to an unknown God because I didn't know God God started to move in my life and delivered me from a whole host of demonic oppression and was radically saved in Christ so I understand what it's like to live in a demonic I understand what it's like to live with a presence in your life. I understand what it's like to be taken from darkness into his glorious light. He is the way, the truth, and the light. Now, the reason I say this is we, we can be facing different things. You can be facing um, struggling um, finances, struggling relationships, struggling your workplace, struggling the community. You could be... Um, facing opposition, uh, rejection. You can be facing all sorts of stuff, but in Christ, you are never alone. In Christ, you are never on your own. You've always got him with you when you give your life to Jesus. And this is the, the aim of the enemy. The first is to question who you are, your identity, your worth, and your value. That's the first battle. The second is he'll cause you to doubt and to question the truth. It's the second. Then he'll try and instill fear, anxiety, and depression. 
Then he'll try and cause confusion. Then he'll try and kill your faith. And when he tries to kill your faith, it'll separate you from Jesus and it'll separate you from God. That's his aim. And he'll use any means, all of the aforementioned that I've mentioned, like the politics, economy, um, the structures, social structures, um, exclusivity. He'll use all of those things to try and rob you of your faith. And, uh, you know, I think the most important thing is when we know the word of God, we can fight the enemy on whatever level that might be. So you need to know and you need to understand what battle you're in in order to fight your enemy. Because let's be honest, when you join the armed forces, you're not just let loose on the day that you sign up and you, you've got your little kit bag, you've got your ironing board and you, you know, you, you, off you go. They're not just going to send you to Syria or Iraq or wherever it is that wars are taking place. They're going to train you. They're going to equip you. They're going to give you information intelligence they're going to show you how to fight your battle and this is what we need to be doing as Christians we need to be reading the word we need to be equipping ourselves for the battle we need to be ready and able for when that attack comes because when the Lord has saved you from the darkness and moved you into his glorious light um, the devil's not going to want to let you go he'll still keep coming back trying to call you back to him I'll give you some examples. So before I was a Christian, I was nearly killed three times in the house that I was living in. And when I gave my life to Christ, I thought, great. So I had fresh revelation, had a freedom and a peace. Once I'd given my life to Jesus and the team had come into the house and prayed through the house, it got rid of all the demonic activity and I had peace for the first time in years. I slept for the first time in years. And then one day... I was having the time of life because I'd just fallen in love with Jesus. And I thought, fantastic, I've met this guy called Jesus. And he loves my soul. He's, he's healed my soul and he's set me free. I feel free. I feel safe. I feel loved. And I, I don't have to worry about anything else. I don't have to worry about whether I'm acceptable to anybody, whether I fit in a group, whether anybody loves me anymore. He loves me. He completed me. He made me whole. And I was driving to get the kids one day from school. And I'd been saved about six or eight weeks. I was driving on this main road. And all of a sudden, from this side road, this girl came flying out the side road, right to the side of my car, broke the chassis, sent me tossing and turning into the oncoming traffic. And I just prayed. And I was going like this. And I was saying, Lord, I love you. I love you. And I was praying in tongues. And I actually, the traffic on the opposite side mounted the curb to avoid me. And I walked away without a scratch. Now, this is the thing. If I hadn't have had faith in Jesus, I'd have been in fear, trepidation. I'd have been, I'd have been in, in serious trauma. But I walked away without a scratch. And I was praising Jesus for that. Praising Jesus. Because my experience before becoming a Christian was it nearly, it nearly take me out three times. Just the, the grim reaper was following me around. He was trying to cause me distress and depression and anxiety and fear I lived in fear before Christ and Christ has set me free because he took me from darkness into his glorious light and then recently we, we moved so for years I, I lived in freedom and I do live in freedom and I do live in Christ and every now and again the demonic will pop itself up and just 
try and take a side swipe. So I moved recently to Wigan, and um, because we moved, um, I gave my job up, my little part-time job in Nottingham, and I applied for the NHS, and I got a job with the NHS, but then I decided I didn't want it, and I, I just felt the Lord uh, speak to me and say, if you go up the high street, in a window, there's going to be a sign for a little job for you. So being, you know, obedient, I walked up the high street, I saw the sign in the window, and it was in a chippy. <laughs> well, that's not what I said. I went, a chippy lord with this hair and these lashes and these nails. Hey, I had to have a word with myself because I was a bit full of pride. I was a bit full of it, full of myself. So I said, okay, Lord. So I went in and the chap he I spoke to, he said, have you done this before? I said, yeah, 25, 30 years ago when I lived in Blackpool. I've not done it for a while, but I said, I'm a good and easy learner. <laughs> And uh, anyway, um, so the chap said to me, well, the owner's coming in tomorrow. Just, just come in and, and see us then. So, you see, the Lord, he hems you him behind before, doesn't he? So I, I sort of took semi-retirement a couple of years ago. And I just have a job, really, for my little car and my, my little, you know, holidays for Dave and I and the little extras. And, um, and I hadn't earned for about four or five months. And I was, you know, I'd, set, I'd used all my savings. So... I didn't have any money, really. So I thought, well, I can either get out there and get a job, work for the NHS, which I didn't really want to do because I'm not good. I'm a cherry with blood and stuff. Um, or, or I can just walk up the road. So, so I went to see this chap, and he, he said, right, we'll give you a tryout. And I didn't tell many people this, but he said, I'll just pay you £6 an hour to start off with. £6 an hour. I never told anybody that. And I just I felt the Lord say, take it. So I said, okay. So I started working for this guy in the chippy, and it was hard work because I stunk of chips. Right? I didn't want to tell people where I worked because I'd have a, a, a word with myself because I was full of pride. And um, anyway, I started working for this guy, and he was like jumping Jack Flash. And what I mean by that, he was full of the demonic. So he was vile. His language was vulgar. He was rude with customers. He was licentious. He was, well, he wasn't very nice, actually. But I talked to him about Jesus. And the more I talked to him about Jesus, the angrier he got, yeah. He, and and we, we almost got to a face-off one day because he was spitting and frothing at the mouth, screaming at me, and I was saying, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. Come to church, you need Jesus, he'll set you free. You don't understand? Yeah, you understand. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody who came in the chippy, he'd say to them, she, she's, um, she, she's the vicar's wife. She's the vicar's wife. She, she's the vicar's wife. So we'd talk about Jesus to the whole of the chippy. And I'd talk about Jesus, the whole of the chippy. And he'd be spitting, frothing at the mouth because he was full of jumping jack flashes. And he tormented my soul. So I don't know whether you've seen that scripture in the Old Testament where Abraham and Lot and the, they've gone into the promised land or they're looking at the promised land and the servants are falling out with each other. And, and Abraham says, you take what you want, Lot. So they took what they thought was the promised land and the choicest land. And 
and, and what rose up there was Sodom and Gomorrah, do you remember? And Lot said his soul was tortured daily. My soul, seriously, was tortured daily. Because not only did I have to deal with all of that all the, all the time I was going in, uh, I mean, incidentally, it did increase my pay to £9 an hour after two weeks. Yeah, hallelujah. It was breaking the law, but I just thought, well, okay, Lord, you can, you can fill... If you can give me what he's not given me. If I'm here doing your work, then you can bless me. And that's a faith thing. You know, I had to challenge myself with the TV programs and the 100, 100 grand, you know. But actually, God blessed me because every time he said she's married to the vicar, she's a Christian, she believes in that guy called Jesus. And I keep seeing Jesus down at Aldi. I just used to pop in there with, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So the demonic is active and alive so we used to have sort of well standoffs because he'd try and get me to swear and I would just say you know yeah yeah I'd just say you can you can you can say what you want you can try and um poke the bear you can try and aggravate me but I ain't gonna call you that word yeah that's what I kept saying to him you need Jesus no so yeah no I um I uh I don't still work there and he's quite sad about that because there's a time period where you have to defend yourself you have to protect your own spirit so so there's that incident and I left well and I work for somebody else now just a couple of doors up in the greasy cafe yeah well none of them know Jesus but it's a really nice team and what they've said to me because you're normal Sue you can stay so, yeah. no. But this is the thing. This is the thing. They, they know who I love. They know who I believe in. So when there's a trauma or a tragedy or a challenge or they're not sure about something, they'll ask me about it. And I'll just give them Jesus. Now, I won't just say, Jesus is your answer. I'll say, well, okay. Do you want to hear the truth or do you want me to tickle your ears? Jerry, I often say this to Jerry. I can tell you the truth but it might challenge you. So the demonic is living and active. And, and recently, I don't know whether I told Kathy this, but I was nearly mowed down on the road as well because what I discovered was when you have a fight with a big four by four where you've pressed the um, pedestrian crossing thing, you're walking over the road with your husband and there's a woman come flying around the corner not realising it's on a stop sign. Your husband lets your hand go and you're facing a four by four. And you've actually got your hands on it and you're praying in tongues and moving back with it. And you, the woman is looking at me with a shocked look on her face and I'm looking at the woman and I'm saying, Jesus, this is weird. What's going on here? And I'm praying in tongues and I'm almost like fighting with the four by four and everybody is stopped and they're all aghast mouths to the floor other car drivers mouths to the floor and I'm on this bonnet Dave's at the other side going, you let go of my hand you let go of my hand and I'm thinking and here I am and I could see myself going under the car and I'm praying in tongues praying in tongues Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Jesus, Jesus and I didn't go under the car. And I moved to the side, and the woman looked at me, and I looked at the woman, and the Lord spoke to me. And I said to her, are you all right, 
And she was so shocked because I'd adopted the mind of Christ, the attitude of Christ. She expected me to go absolutely ballistic. She expected me to blow my top. But actually I said, are you all right? She was in shock. She looked sick. So I get to the other side of the road and I realize that actually that was the enemy because all that stretch along the high street where I live they have seances they have spiritual readings they have a lot of activity so the demonic will present itself to you in different ways but this is the keys these are the keys of the kingdom these are the strategies and this is what I needed to take away from tonight so The Lord has taken me from darkness into his glorious light. I live in the light. I live with Christ. Whoever comes across me will know that I love Jesus. They'll know that I'm planted in the house and I read the word. And in Colossians, it tells you to actually get in the word, to understand his teaching, and to not listen to heresies or ideology or good thinking or things that sound good. The plumb line is always the word of God, always. And the keys to the kingdom are this. I'm running out of time, so I need to move on. The first thing we need to do is praise. Praise him. So whatever your circumstances, whether you're facing financial hardship, relationship issues, family issues, whatever your struggles are, you need to praise the Lord. Because when we give thanks to the Lord, it opens the door to his presence and we have that connectivity with him. We actually, if you enter his courts with thanksgiving, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what's going on, that will give, give you entrance into his kingdom. And you, ha- you are connected to him. The posture that we need is the attitude of Christ. We need to have a posture that is surrendered to him. If I hadn't had that posture in the chippy, if I hadn't had that posture in certain circumstances and I took on my own posture, there would have been a fight. There would have been a fight. There would, I would have lost the battle with the guy in the chippy. I would have lost the battle with the car on the high street. If I'd have panicked or I, I'd have risen, if I hadn't had the right posture in surrender to Jesus, to pray what comes out of you when you squoze should be Jesus. Should be Jesus. So you, have, you need to have the right posture Timothy 1.19 says, Hold on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regards to their faith. And this is, you know, you need to hang on to your faith. Whatever's happening in your life, do not let go of your faith in Jesus. Do not let go of Jesus. You need to hang on to him because darkness will come. Darkness will just invade your life sometimes. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world where others make decisions that affect our life. So you need to hang on to your faith. Otherwise, you're going to shipwreck yourselves. And the third key is the presence. So when you have the right praise and you have the right posture, you actually enter his presence. And then you have the presence within you. So that is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And those are essential keys if you're going to get through this Christian life. Whether you have a battle in your mind, 
to praise him, give thanks to him, read the word. He'll show you the way through. Whether it's a demonic presence that you're face to face with, when you praise him, you have the right attitude, you have the power of Christ within you that breaks through all of that, will bring you through. Just to summarize, because I'm slightly over time, so I do apologize. We're in a battle for our faith because the devil wants your faith. He's not interested in anything else. He's not going to play nice. He ain't going to do it. He's not going to tell you he's going to do it. He's going to sideswipe you. He's going to steal your faith if you allow him. So whether it's spiritual, whether it's in the natural world, it doesn't matter what it is. Whatever it is that causes you to sin, doubt, fall or fail, or you allow fear or insecurity in your life, the devil will just ram that home to you. So you have to be rooted in the word. You have to know the word because you can fight with the word. When you have the word, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So you need the word, whether it's the written word, whether it's the present word, whether it's the word, whether it's the presence, the Holy Spirit present. You need it to fight the battle. His aim is to separate you from Jesus, his presence, and his power. Because he wants you to fall and fail. He wants to rob you of the life that Christ has, 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 has won for you at the cross. There's still a battle to be fought. There is still a battle. So long as you're breathing, so long as you're walking with Christ, there will be battles that will come your way. So it's essential that you recognize the battle and the season that you're in. Because if you don't, then you're going to find it tough. So, you know, praise him, get connected to him, adopt a posture that is surrendered a posture of repentance and surrender and then when you do that he'll endow you with his power and then that power will give you the knowledge to fight it's a knowledge of scripture it's a knowledge to actually um, cut through what's going on in your life it's a knowledge of which is wisdom and understanding it will give you power to live it will take you from darkness and you remain in his glorious light amen mm-hmm.